Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. It's Tuesday, June 25th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. Joining me in the studio for today's Consumer Goods Show is Dan Casino Klein. <laughs> and I say that because I listened to yesterday's Market Foolery on the way into work this morning, and I heard you talking about casinos. I thought it was a lot of great insight you had. So, couldn't resist. Coming on yesterday's show, I was coming off a pretty good day at the horseshoe, like made some money. Went to my head a little bit last night at Maryland Live, and again I was with with Matt Frankel, your your regular yeah. contributor, um, and I you know was feeling pretty confident, and I was pretty much like ten minutes away from selling my pants. <laughs> like, like that, I feel like there's an investing lesson in there somewhere. It, man. I, I will complain. So any of you coming to Maryland to play a casino, one drinks are not free. Pretty big negative. Two, when you play blackjack, it's always a shuffle machine. So you can't, um, you're not allowed to say count. You can't f- have a feeling as to what's come out before and know what's going on. So it is gambling in the purest, purest of sense that you're closing your eyes and throwing darts more, more or less. Yes. And I, I had a late hit that that sort of made things less embarrassing. Like I didn't have to call my wife and be like, "Send me money to get to the airport." <laughs> but it was, it was, it was right about at that point. I'm teasing a little bit. I gamble very responsibly, yeah. but it, it, it was as bad a night as nights go. Well, you know, hey, I guess there's maybe you've set the hence back at work doing a podcast. The bottom. Well, <laughs> you know, it's it's our good fortune at least to have you here. Um, you know, we were talking last week while I was away, coming up with some ideas for today, and we thought it would be a fun idea, um, really, to talk about something we haven't had a chance to talk a lot about on these shows, and that's augmented reality. Now, part of this stems from the fact that, as many listeners may know, uh, we recently opened up an augmented reality service. Um, I've been tapped to to be the advisor on that service, so it's it's been a lot of fun for me. I've been digging in essentially for the entire year, learning about the space and all of the ideas um, in it. And we thought today would be a great opportunity to dig more into it because you have some experience with the space as well, uh, particularly on the hardware side. Uh, so let's let's jump right in here. First and foremost, when it comes to augmented reality, because I think it's easy to get augmented reality and virtual reality confused it's is sometimes very easy to kind of mix them together and, and there's a gray area too yeah well and there's well. mixed reality too and so i mean it is you're right there is a little bit of a gray area let's talk about what augmented reality is and what it is so the easiest example for augmented reality the one everyone is going to understand is Pokemon Go. Sure. There are a lot of games now that are like, it's Harry Potter, but Pokemon Wizards Go. Wizards Unite. Yeah. Yep. So, so, there's a Star Wars one that never caught on. But basically, how Pokemon Go works, and I'm the last guy who still plays. I am a devoted Pokemon Go, <laughs> level 36, getting there. Like, You are walking around the real world, and there is an, a reality overlay where all of a sudden, I might look up and Pikachu is jumping on your head. <laughs> It'd be awesome if Pikachu was here. He he is actually doing tomorrow's show. Uh-huh. But, I'd be but, scheduled. So Pikachu is an added layer of reality on top of what's actually happening. In a practical sense, that might be a um, a doctor is wearing glasses and when he's cutting you, it projects a line for where he's supposed to cut. That yeah. would be a very simple augmentation. So virtual reality is when you are completely in another world. So, yep. like, I have an Oculus Go, and we'll talk about that later, which does some augmented and some virtual reality. The virtual reality would be I put on my headset and I'm on a roller coaster, and it has nothing to do with where I am, and I'm in a completely different experience, but it feels real because it's immersive. Yeah. The augmented experience might be if you and I had a, bo- a meeting, 
and you're sitting at a desk and I'm sitting at a desk, but it looks like we're in a boardroom together and we're seeing it on the headset. So some of that's virtual, some of that's augmented. It's not a clear line, but it's basically an enhanced reality. Yeah, I mean, and that's it. I feel like, um, you know, I was I was thinking about this as we were coming up with ideas for the service when we first opened it. And, I mean, I know you live in Florida. I know you're a Disney guy, and I remember many trips to Disney as well. But I remember vividly going to Disney World. I think the very first time when I was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old, the haunted house, like the old traditional haunted house that you go through. And I think it was the very last stretch where you go through and you pass in front of these mirrors. And if you look in the mirror, then sitting either next to you or on top of your head or somewhere in there would be a ghost. And that essentially was augmented reality even then, wasn't it? It, it was. It, and that ride is exactly as you remember it. <laughs> and it would have been exactly as you remembered it in 1965 sure. at Disneyland. Um, I might be getting the years Disneyland started wrong. But there. the point remains I mean, the technology's it, been there for yeah, a while. Yeah. And let's talk about augmented reality as what it's going to be and what it isn't. And what I mean is, do you remember two years ago, maybe three years ago at CES, when 3D television was the oh, thing, yeah. and ESPN was was spending big money in broadcasting? And like weird things. It wasn't just basketball games. It's like, we're doing NBA Roundup in 3D. It's like, why? It was kind of weird, too. It sounded way better than it really kind of was. And it was very expensive. And you'd so you'd buy your three thousand dollar three D television, and all you got was gimmick programming. Yeah, augmented reality. I think it's fair to say, is a real technology at a low level. When I say low level, I mean iPhone, Pokemon Go, that level of just it's accepted. It's a thing. It's a tool to make money. It's not necessarily a money maker itself. What we don't know is if augmented reality is going to be a gimmick. Or it's going to become a part of our everyday life. So we know that there's business uses. Well, we talked about medical a few seconds ago. We know that the doctors are going to be using these, and they can spend five thousand dollars on glasses or whatever because they're buying million-dollar MRI machines. What we don't know is if Macy's, and to bring this back to consumer goods, six months from now, you're going to walk into the dressing room, hold up the clothes you want to try on, it's going to show you wearing it, and show it to you in six different colors, and you can hit the button and order it from the website. Yeah. That technology exists, whether it becomes practical, you know, things like you know, a virtual tailor is a form of, of augmented reality, sure. kind of. So, you know, it's being used in very high-end design. Do you watch any of the like flip your house kind of shows? Oh yeah, HGTV gets a lot of traction. In our they house. all, yeah, they all show you the sort of this is what the room would look like. Now, when it's a completely redone artist rendering, it's virtual reality. Sure. It's not. But if you show a picture of my room and then show me what the flooring choice would look like next to my furniture, that's augmented reality. Yeah, and so let's talk about that for a second because I think you made a good point there. It's it's sort of the difference between the technology versus what we. Do with the technology. It reminds me of 3D printing. Um, oh, that was going to be the thing. <laughs> well, and, and, and honestly, the technology itself is helpful for a lot of companies out there. It's not really as consumer facing because I think honestly, more more it helps co- uh, companies protect their technology. Um, I think augmented reality is similar in that regard. It's it's basically fairly commoditized technology. It's a matter of what companies do with it. So, let's talk about some of the different verticals where um, companies are doing neat things. Because I think there are two things that come into mind when, when we mention AR, first and foremost, is people immediately think visual, and then they also think consumer-facing entertainment. When the reality is, it does stretch across more markets. Yeah, and that's just sort of the gimmick. I, I think the one we're going to see it 
most practically is business productivity. So you look at we are very regular Slack users. We've talked about right. this. That is the method of communication at the Motley Fool internally and externally. We are also a very big Zoom meeting company. Yep. So when you and I have a Zoom meeting, you're just getting me sitting at my desk in a shared work or sitting in my living room, wherever I happen to be, it's not necessarily a professional face if, for example, you and I are meeting with, I don't know, a big radio company that wants to you know, hire us. <coughs> um, <laughs> that, that was just being silly. No radio companies are trying to hire us. Uh, um, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, but let's pretend we wanted to present a certain image. There might be a Zoom slash Slack augmented reality where we could both be sitting in the same room or in a very professional boardroom setting. Yeah. Or to be goofy in a surf lodge, in a mm. you know, skiing down a hill, whatever it is. Some of it is a little silly, but there's very practical applications for hey, we're a business, we want to present a united front, but we're not in the same place. A lot of businesses are not in the same place. Even for internal fools, we have multiple locations. Or yeah. even I've been in the building and a meeting starts early and you have to jump in <laughs> visually because as someone who doesn't work here, you don't always have easy access to getting to different yep. floors. So some of the ability to sort of make remote work better, uh, driving augmented reality, yeah. showing you directions and accidents as an overlay rather than and like a real-time visualization rather than having to glance down and take your eyes off the road to look at GPS. Travel, I think. Travel, very similar either when it comes to landmarks or directions. I mean, you think about the applications from Waze and Google Maps to what you know, the the possibilities really are pretty endless from that perspective in, in, in regard to communicating information. Yeah, and this is just one of those things that you're probably using it and you don't really think about it. Probably not. Because when we talk about virtual reality or augmented reality, we tend to think the like theme park experience. Sure. You know, you mentioned Disney World. At Disney Springs, and we've talked about this on consumer goods before, there's a place called The Void. And you put on a headset and a backpack, and it weighs like 60 pounds. Oy. And you do a virtual Star Wars. I already don't. Oh, okay. It's insane. Star Wars, I'm, I'm It's down. the best thing I've ever done. I thought you were telling me I was getting you, ready to go on a hike. You look down and you're a stormtrooper. <laughs> And you, the actual space that this is in is maybe the size of this studio plus the the control room over there. Right. But you feel like you're on a spaceship. You walk across a floating bridge on on Mustafar, the lava planet from from Episode Three. That's crazy. You feel like you're going to fall off. That technology is there. That's virtual reality. Mm. When you walk into the new Star Wars land. Your phone helps you see things that aren't there, helps you sure. translate things. That is a mixed-use augmented reality. Yeah. And you're butting up against a couple of things that keep this from being super widespread. The biggest one is battery life. Mm -hmm. And I think Disney has to figure this one out, because I can't go to Disney World, spend six hours in Star Wars land using my phone as an augmented reality device <laughs> no. without carrying. I mean, I already have a battery pack on my phone. I'd have to carry two extra batteries. Mm -hmm. So as we start to see the technology catch up, I think every mall, every store is going to have enhanced experience. You know, <laughs> things like, have you ever tried to follow directions on an app in a mall? Uh, no. They don't work. No. It'll say step by step. In theory, we should be able to have an augmented reality that you follow along the line. It projects the line on the floor that only you can see. That makes sense. And you follow the yellow brick road to where you're trying to go. Those types of things are going to make this widespread, and then we'll see sort of where the high end expensive 
things are going to be. Talk about let's talk about some a couple of other applications that strike me. One of the things I was talking about um, at Fool Fest recently was the world of engineering. And um, more and more companies like Autodesk, and Autodesk was the company I, I spoke of specifically at, at Fool Fest. You know, these are companies that essentially make that 3D CAD software that that helps people figure out how to design what they want to design. And in many cases, you know, it is utilizing augmented reality to see how something may fit in a given space. Um, again, perhaps not the most consumer facing yet technology that is having a big impact on a lot of things around us. Yeah, and one of the things it does is it saves money. Because if I have to build a prototype of something, and let's say you're making a computer, the tolerances inside a computer for certain parts of it are very, very small. An iPhone, the tolerances are ridiculous in terms of fitting everything in. If I can do that in a virtual way where I'm looking at it and I don't have to hand make the parts, or spend money to create tooling for a part that may not end up being the part, you should be able to have a big investment and take away a lot of the trial and error because it's exact. It's not like right now when you make something, you either have to commit to making it or you 3D print it and that might not be as exact. This can be absolutely exact. And you you don't know that as a consumer, yeah. but that's absolutely happening right now. Sure. And I mean the retail companies are bringing this to the consumers in all sorts of different fashions. I mean, whether it's, I mean, shoot, like you could go to Amazon and, and put a piece of furniture in your room or to Wayfair. <laughs> you can, I mean, I saw um, an announcement there the other day where YouTube is going to incorporate augmented reality with its makeup line or with, with makeup lines so that people can then try on makeup and augmented reality to determine whether they like it or not. I mean, you see all of these different types of implications. It's just as a matter of kind of digging in there and seeing what companies are doing what with it. So, some of this is going to fail spectacularly. Sure. So, you talked about makeup. Have you ever been at a meeting where a company is trying to figure out its logo and they're arguing about color? Um, I well, not a logo per se, but I have been involved. Like I used to be in the golf business, and a lot of the golf business said that there was a lot of publishing and stuff that went with it, artwork and whatnot. So to hear that, computers those can drag on. and websites <laughs> do not render color the way we see them. Right. So unless you're using a MacBook with a Retina screen, an iPhone with the absolute, the makeup is not going to look like what you think it looks like, no yeah. matter how well they do projecting it on you. So like you know. Yeah, that would be great for when you and I dress up as half of Kiss next year for October. (laughs) We can decide if I'm the kitty cat or you're the star man or whatever it is and who looks best because the exact shade of black and white doesn't matter. If your wife or my wife, my wife doesn't wear any makeup, but if she was deciding what shade to paint her eyes, I don't know what you call that makeup, to go with her dress, that might turn out not as well because the technology is not there. So it really depends like what your tolerances are. Uh, and for dimension, it's perfect. For color, not as much. Still working on it. Um, okay, I want to dig in a little bit here because I, you have you own an, a, a, an Oculus I do. Uh, device. Now I, I don't. With that said, we did have one um, company annual meeting one year where we got an Oculus. Right as they came out, so this was like a first gen thing, um, and so we all got to check it out and see what it was all about. And it was clever; it was neat. I mean, to your point, it was a little bit pointless in that, oh wow, you know, I'm in this Scottish field and I can look around and see the castle and the cliff, and I'm looking over the cliff and I'm thinking I could fall over. Um, okay, neat. Now let me go have a beer, and and so it did. You know, it was kind of short lived. 
Talk a little bit about your experience with with your Oculus and why you got it and where you think this thing could be going. Well, I got it because I'm an idiot and I buy every. <laughs> nah, you're just a I, tech guy. You like I, that I, stuff. I, am I, get fa- that. I am famous for having a lot of silly tech. <laughs> I own like eight coffee makers and I almost never make coffee. I always go out for coffee. So ah. I, I just bought the Keurig Drinkworks, and so now the all soft of soft drink thing. No, the one that makes the alcoholic beverages. You know. So now you're gonna come stay at my house in Orlando. I'm not gonna be there, and you're gonna unknowingly and like Nick Seipel <laughs> is actually doing this in a few weeks. He'll unknowingly use forty dollars worth of drink pods because he doesn't know that they're three ninety nine a piece. But I love technology. So I, when I saw the Oculus go for one ninety nine, I went, I will use this every day. Like <laughs> this is gonna be because I previously had the Star Wars VR game. I mean, yeah. I still have it. Where you have to put your phone into the headset. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of fun, but you need absolute darkness. It, it's hard to see if you're not in total pitch blackness, which is a very hard state to achieve. Extremely. And you're wearing your phone on your head. It's super heavy and awkward. Seems weird. So your neck hurts after like you don't even get to Darth Vader after battling like <laughs> the, the toy droid that's teaching you how to fight. Like it's so great premise. So the Oculus doesn't need the phone. I mean the phone's in your pocket, it's yeah. connected to the phone, but it's not sitting on your forehead. So I got the Oculus and the first thing I noticed is it's pretty awkward for someone who wears glasses. So I did the logical thing anyone would do. Uh, yeah. I went out and got contacts. <laughs> um, so it's better when I'm not wearing my glasses, but it is still a relatively heavy device. So let's talk about an augmented reality. You can watch NBA games or certain boxing pay-per-views from a courtside slash ringside seat. And that sounds great. And it's really cool to look at for 90 seconds. Yeah. After that, it's a mix of nauseating, and wait a minute, I'm wearing a big thing in my head <laughs> that no matter how well you adjust it, isn't small enough. So this is early technology that has to become glasses, yeah, or a scuba mask, or something that works and doesn't feel like you've got a bucket on your head. Well, and I think to that point, I mean, and I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I whether it was the Oculus or whether it was. I mean, some of the rides at Universal Studios, frankly, are are that way, and you can do it once. But if you keep on doing them all day long, you will likely get sick. Um, I am also a Universal Studios pass holder. So. <laughs> yeah, well, we loved it, but I mean, it, there's a limit in what you can do there, and so you're seeing. I mean, again, that's like the first gen. You suspect in time that'll change. I mean, it's Google is certainly not stopped investing in their glasses. It, so I mean, it's it's a gimmick now and there's one thing that if if it wasn't such a pain to get electronics through airport security. Yeah. Watching Netflix movies on the Oculus in a position where your head can rest on a headrest like on a plane yeah. is actually comfortable and an amazing way to watch a movie huh. on a plane. But I'm not bringing my Oculus through security and having to take it out and having to explain what it is and yeah, getting flagged by like TSA and like it's just not a common enough device. Now when that's a pair of glasses or whatever, like the old uh, Brett the Hitman Heart sunglasses that wrap around <laughs> your head, like then it'll become something, and you can see how it's going to get there. There's a, like most of the Oculus is plastic; it's not computing power, so they could engineer it down to be something better. So I like it, but it's something I play with, like to again do like fake roller coaster rides. Yeah, and I mean, I think from the glasses perspective, I mean, Google had Google Glass, and I think now that's something they're calling Google Lens. I mean, Facebook doing what they're doing. You've got Microsoft with the HoloLens, um, Apple. Some secretive product out there under the code name T two eight eight. We're not certain exactly what it is, but it is 
headwear. Um, it, this is a little bit, it, it's slow to evolve, but when you look over to the industrial side of the world, when you look at the industrial implications, there are a lot of um, companies in the industrial space that use smart glasses for uh, you know, line work or whatever training, whatever it may be. So there are there are applications that these things are being used for already. Again, maybe not the most consumer facing in the world, but the technology is definitely out there, and consumer facing companies are using them in some capacity. So I've played with the Hololens. Yeah, how'd you um, like it? I, I that's not one I've seen. So the the problem is I got Yet. to play it doing a Minecraft demo. Uh-huh. So the the actual use of the Hololens tends to be more professional. It's yeah. it's, it's medical. It's it's uh, engineering, architecture, lots of places like that. It's a it's an expensive device. Right. Uh, the developer's kit is is very expensive for it. I don't know how Minecraft works. I don't play that game. Mm-hmm. But yes, it's very immersive in the same way the Oculus is. In the same way, frankly, dropping your phone into the twenty dollar fake VR thing. But. Microsoft is spending an awful lot of money and has an awful lot of people working to make this something. And I think what's going to happen is the higher end adoption. So if this becomes a common tool in hospitals, that will bring the cost down, which will then make it a tool that's maybe attainable for colleges. Yeah. And then so I don't think we have to 3D TV worry about this. This isn't something that's going to go away. I think you're going to have better gaming-led consumer devices. Um, I've also used the PlayStation Virtual Reality, which is a a sort of clunky headset that does make gameplay fun for, again, 10 minutes before you have a headache. <laughs> um, I think you're going to see the next generations of these get smaller and lighter and have more practical business applications where it wouldn't be crazy for me to be wearing one for a board meeting. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think it, it's it's a technology. Not that we have that, board meetings, but we well, have a meeting in a boardroom. <laughs> I mean, I think it's technology that's been around for a while. It's really just kind of coming to light as to as to different ways we can use it. I think part of the fun for me has been communicating how all of these different verticals, from healthcare to engineering to retail to education. I mean, you know, these are the types of things where you see. A lot of potential, even though it's not fully realized yet. It's less about the technology and more about the companies that are doing cool stuff with the technology. Yeah, and as an investor, you know, not to not to tip off your picks. Everybody subscribe <laughs> to the service. A lot of the companies on this list are companies I like anyway. Sure, <laughs> like I like Microsoft. I, I they don't need this to work for Microsoft to be successful. Right. On the other hand. This could tie LinkedIn and Skype and like think of the job interview augmented reality. Like theoretically, I could be in California interviewing at a company in New York, and you could walk me around the office. Sure, and you know, and show this is where your desk would be, and this is uh, you know whatever it is. This is where the coffee is, all that kind of stuff. So these are companies for the most part I'd buy anyway, and yeah. that that's you know this becomes if this takes off, ooh, it's just another venue for Apple to sell stuff. Okay, now speaking of companies, resources, different types of ways we can learn more about the space because I, I mean I've certainly dug in um, for, for for quite some time now, and I, I mean I. I do think, I mean, it's a difficult space to fully understand the potential because it's so young. And I think there are a lot of those no brainer names out there that we've talked about today that are making early waves in the space. But part of the fun for me is finding a lot of those companies that people don't know about yet, or finding out companies that are doing neat things with the technology that really people hadn't thought of before. you know, when when you learn about AR, VR, things like that, I mean, what 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 are some of your go to resources? Any places that you you look to or people you consider? So I'm a big fan of GeekWire. Yeah, um, and it's not that they specifically cover a lot of 
augmented reality, but there is a lot of augmented reality coming out of the Seattle area, which is sort of their bread and butter of coverage. And that's where you're going to read, you're going to be most likely to read about an interesting startup that, you know, they got 50 million in funding, they have 6x Microsoft guys working there. And what you want to look at is the people who are doing things with it where you go, ooh, I never thought about that, but what a perfect application. Yeah. Because the big hits are going to come from Apple. They're going to come from Facebook. You're probably not going to get a Roku level player in this where just like some company comes out of nowhere. Where you will get that is I'm the company that knows underwater surveying better than anyone else, and here is the specific underwater surveying augmented reality tool. And by the way, one of them sells for eight hundred thousand dollars because it's a niche market. And I'm making that up completely, but you understand what I'm saying. Sure. It's going to be the construction use, the very very niche uses that will then get consumer stuff. But yeah. like Sony is not trying to sell a million dollar medical device; they are trying to get one in every home. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, so a couple of things I noticed. One thing I'll let folks know if you if you follow me on Twitter, I don't even think you need to follow me on Twitter, but I'm putting together a list on Twitter of just AR related follows. So anybody in the AR space that I find entertaining, educational, informative, I'm just adding them to the list. And so you can essentially see this ongoing Twitter feed of just cool real-time information that's happening in the space. One of the people I started following early on and um, she's proven to be just an invaluable resource. She wrote a great book on it called Augmented Human. Her name is Helen Papagianis. And um, she has been working in the space for I think close to 15 years now. So I would certainly recommend for anyone looking to learn more about the space and and its wide reach, check out that book, uh, Augmented Human. Um, But then a couple of people I found were talking about little niche companies, and these were companies I found over vacation, and I thought, wow, these are cases I didn't necessarily think of before, or companies I didn't know about. Um, One guy I started following on Twitter, his name is Daniel Anderson, and he uh, is the CEO and founder of a company called 3DQR. Startup in Germany focused on AR for education, industrial training, and corporate development. Uh, so that's been a fun one to learn more about. But then another one. So I, I like uh, painting watercolors. It's a challenge. I'm just learning how to Which do it. Which you can also see if you follow Jason <laughs> on Twitter. I do that to keep myself honest. <laughs> um, but I did. I found this interesting app called Artivive, and you can you can check them out at Artivive app on Twitter. But they're a another. It's a Vienna-based startup, um, and they and they have an AR tool for artists to create, for museums to expand, and for galleries to figure out new ways to incorporate. You know, art for the next generation into their displays. Wanna so if you check out their site, they show you a really neat demo on YouTube of what their capabilities are. Small companies, but neat things that they're doing. And I again, speaking to your point about niches, I mean, these are companies that are just pursuing little niches where they may not ultimately be able to make it to become big companies because they may be snapped up by some of these bigger companies. But that doesn't mean we can't, uh, you know, win ultimately either way. And I think it's fair to say we didn't give enough attention to education yeah, as yeah, a use. Well. Now there's a price barrier there, but pretty much every kid has some level of smartphone. Sure. I, I have a 15 year old in a very mixed income school. I think it's fair to say all of his friends have a cell phone. Yeah. With different learning styles, to be able to say, okay, this is an active volcano here, 
And as you're seeing the picture, you can access facts or pieces of it come to life or different things happen. We should be able to very inexpensively address different learning styles in ways that have been very challenging to do. I mean, most schools have laptops, but they're still using them for word processing. They're yeah. not they're not yeah. using them for for sort of changing how we educate people. My son takes a virtual algebra class that essentially we could have put on a VHS tape back in <laughs> 1985. There's nothing Augmented or virtual about it. It's yep. just a tape of a person, and then you do a you you do a test. So I think you'll see leaps and bounds with this kind of stuff, and maybe in the nonprofit area on the education side, you'll see some people spending some money to create coursework or access to museums for kids that would never get to go to the Museum of Modern Art or. Um, I think there are a couple museums here in DC. One or like two, a, like a fast I mean, food I, museum, maybe. I'm not something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you hit or miss. It's just you never know. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. I think education is going to be a phenomenal space to follow. It's one where um, traditionally has been very difficult to scale. Clearly, technology is changing that, and um, it's been fun to watch my kids going through at at you know in seventh and eighth grade. They're going into eighth and ninth now, but to watch their school incorporate technology and just basic YouTube lessons, things like that, as eyewear and new ways to experience things comes out, I have no question. That augmented reality will serve as a very valuable educational tool, and I don't think we could downplay this. You know, we talk about very simple uses for it, like clothing and makeup and that kind of stuff. Yeah, how many people are going to be saved from a really stupid beard <laughs> by by being able to, you know, like like you know, Michael Jordan is going to be able to test out the Hitler mustache before he grows it, <laughs> like so so you know, well that's like, kind of like the makeup application, just a it, little bit different. It is, but like I'd have to grow mutton chops to learn that mutton. <laughs> Shops are a bad idea. Bad idea. So, so to be able to like be in a room with my wife, or even and this is a strange one. So I wear glasses. One of the hardest things about trying on glasses is I wear glasses. <laughs> so you go in and you don't know what you look like. And I had to bring my wife because my previous pair of glasses, and some of you who watch this show visually visually may have noticed, were too small for my head, and I look like a giant egghead. <laughs> so like, there's going to be some very fun practical uses for this stuff, um, and I don't think that's all that far away. Well, hey man, you just look forward to the future. Dan Klein, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. And for the love of God, people, just don't grow mutton chops. <laughs> Today's show is produced by Dan Boyd. For Dan Klein, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.